Jones and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So apparently we weren't the only one as we welcome you back into the Burns and Gambo show here, 3 o'clock hour, live from the Akshin Community Studio on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We were not the only one who saw what Devin Booker did against Sacramento the other night and said, man, that was an MVP game right there. 44.6 steals. I thought that was crazy. We had made that a major part of our conversation yesterday, and all of a sudden today there's like three stories out about Devin Booker and MVP and stuff like that. And like, Clearly, we are trendsetters in the industry, Gambo. We're trendsetters. Clearly. We are. Says sarcastically. Yeah. Um, Sam Amick, very good NBA writer, longtime NBA writer for The Athletic, wrote a story today on that website. Devin Booker unplugged on the Suns offseason. Haters, motivation, in the MVP race that he says, quote, he's not even in, close quote. There was a lot to get into in this. It was basically a sit-down with Sam and Devin Booker, and it, it was all over the place. It talked about Robert Sarver. It talked about DeAndre Ayton. It talked about the haters. It talked about, and I think this the stuff to focus on, or at least the stuff to start with, is the MVP conversation because as he claims, he doesn't think he's really in that right now. He doesn't really think that he is a part well, of that. got a hundred bucks on it now. It, well, yeah, yeah. It on, yeah. sucks for you, right? Quote, I'm not even in that race. I just let these people say what they want. Like, bro, I focus on hoops only. Close quote. <laughs> yeah. Got news for you, Devin. You're in this thing. You're in it. You may not win it. You see Luca's game last night? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 41-point triple-double. 41-point triple-double He's for Luka. three 40-point triple-doubles this year, yeah. and nobody else has one right. in the entire league. It's very likely that he's going to win the MVP. He might, might be out 100 bucks, but, um, but Booker's in it. Like, make no, make, make no mistake about it. When you are the best player on the best team, and you put up statistics like he's putting up, there's no way not to be in it. You're in this thing. Now, what I liked about a lot of the story and a lot of the talk with Book is, like, he just, I mean, and I think it's honest, he just, I'm just hooping, man. I don't really like he just doesn't seem to care about it, like whether he's in the race or not. Now, he's been an all star three times. And I think that there was a part of him when he wasn't an all star that, man, come on, he deserves to be an all star. Let's get him there. We can. We said this. Look, the second he gets in the first time, he's going to be a perennial all star every year. OK, he's just got to get in that first time and then nothing's going to stop him. Um and now he's in. And now all-star, all-star, all-star. And it's going to continue for him. And when his career is over, there's going to be 10 all-star appearances or more when his career is finished because he's just that good of a player. And now he's established himself. He's going to be that guy. As far as the MVP thing is concerned, I mean, last year he was in it last year. Where did he finish? Fourth. 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 So you're in it. Like you were top five in the MVP voting last yeah. year. Yeah. Think about that. But, think think but, about that. But remember... He didn't really get in that race. Until late. Until the very end, right? Until the last month and a half, two months of the season. Mainly when Chris Paul went down. When Chris Paul went out with that injury, and they went, what, five weeks without him? And they didn't miss a beat without him? Yes. That's when it started. Yes. That's when it really, oh, hey, wait a minute. On second thought, maybe this Devin Booker thing is real. This this is always one of those, look, and we've we've been in this, you and I have been doing this a long time, right? We've probably had this conversation many, many times. Is it the best player on the best team automatically? Is it just the best player? Does it matter how well your team does? How much should it matter how well your team does? Right? I mean, that's, it seems like in the NBA, like in baseball, 
it has come down to pretty much your team better be in it if you're going to win it. Otherwise, I don't think you have Very much of a shot at it. Very rarely do you have the, the Alex Rodriguez on a fifth-place team, right? Yeah. Very rarely do you have those guys that are able to win an MVP award on a team that's not very good. It's happened, yeah. but it's very rare. But I think in the NBA, that trend tends to side more towards you can be a Luka Doncic, who's having, I mean, look, his numbers, they are MVP caliber. They are sterling. They and are without incredible. Him, they're, a, they're a top five lottery team. And without, but with him, you're a playoff team. You're barely a playoff team. I think right now, I know we're only a quarter of the way into the season. I think they're right on the outside of the play-in tournament or maybe the last team in the play-in tournament. I mean, it's not like they're elite so far with what he's doing. Let's see. Let's see. Let me, let me see. What the, so the Mavs right now are in the play-in tournament. What number are they? Tenth. They're tenth. Last team in. Last team they're in. They're the last 10. team in. So ten, they're a 500 team. They're 10 and 10. You take Luka Doncic off the Mavs and they're, they're 5 and 15 like the Rockets are. Oh, I agree. They I have agree. five wins in there. They're, now you're talking about, you know, uh, you're in it for Wembayama. You're in it for the number one overall pick in the draft if you don't have Luka. Yeah, no, if, if you, I, I, I totally agree. But I also think him being that great has not made that organization. I mean, I know they beat the Suns last year, but it hasn't made them elite this year. I mean, they've got nothing around him right now. No. I, and so it's, and it's the other thing, the other reality of this is it's it's way too early to have this conversation. I mean, it's 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 fun to talk about it. It's fun for you to put $100 of your own money down on it, which we just did about an hour ago. I think the far more interesting thing is Devin Booker claiming that he's not even in the race. He's letting people say what they want. He's only focused on basketball. And not that I want to call him out or anything, but do we believe him? Do Do, do we, when he says that, do we believe that he's not at least even thinking about it a little bit? It's not somewhere in the back of his mind? It's a fair question, and I'm trying to think of how to answer that. I, I think that it's probably in the back of his mind, but it's not a priority. Priority is winning basketball games right now um, and, and helping his team. And then priority number two is I'm gonna, I gotta get, well, I got to get this team over the hump. we got to win a championship. And then if the accolades come with it, then that's great. I think a lot of superstar players feel that way. Like, my goal is a championship. Like, I want more than anything. I want a ring. Unless you're Patrick Peterson. Um, <laughs> then the accolades are more important. But most players are driven to win. You're driven to win games. You're driven to win playoff games. You're driven to win a championship. If the accolades come with it, that's great. An all-star appearance. appearance. You're on the Olympic team. Uh, where you get a chance to win a gold medal. You're, you're an MB, top five MVP candidate. All of that stuff is just uh, 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 that's secondary to winning the championship. I do believe that Devin Booker would give up everything just to win a championship. All-star appearances, Olympic gold medal, uh, MVP. Winning is more important to him than those things. I do believe that. Yeah, especially if you look back at that Olympic medal from a year ago. I mean, he was an integral part of that team, but not in the way that we're used to seeing Devin Booker be an integral part of a basketball team. He was more of a glue guy, right? He was a defender. He He was an orchestrator. He wasn't really a scorer outside of maybe one or two games in which that was kind of what was required of him to do. He didn't care. He, he, he was just out there to play whatever role he needed to play on a team filled with superstars.
course. There, there's a whole bunch in here I want to get to. I'm going to breeze through this. You tell me when to stop when there's something you want to talk about. Um, they asked him about playing 41 minutes the other night and, and load management. Quote, I'm not a part of that, man. I'm 26 years old. I train hard, spend a lot of time in the summer making sure my body's right to be able to take that load on. I want to be out there and I want to win basketball games. He doesn't care about the minutes. He doesn't care about taking a break. Well, he talked a lot about his, his, his work ethic and the time that he puts in. And, you know, like, you know, and it was something even like comparing it to the other guys put that type of time in. And he was like, I don't know, just worries about himself and what he's doing. Uh, He's quote, when you speak of load management, I've never really been that type. Close quote on the server issue on the Robert server issue. Yes. um, Quote, there's too many level headed guys in here. We have too many conversations that we keep in house between the team. We have a lot of educated people on this team. We're pretty close and we talk about everything. Our group chat is going, you know, a decision was made regarding Sarver. There's really nothing else we can do or say about it. Media day was tough, and that was it. Close quote. There's a close relationship between Devin Booker and Robert Sarver. Uh, Robert was very instrumental in helping Book, you know, with houses and, you know, things like that. And I I think, uh, you know, some kind of business venture they may have been involved in. So there was a close relationship. I was never expecting Devin Booker to say anything negative about Robert Sarver. He he likes him. He respected him. Um, That doesn't mean he's not going to hold him accountable for his actions but um, you know there, there was definitely he liked him I mean it definitely there was a friendship there between the two of them I think there still is the Bud Light Super Bowl Music Fest featuring three incredible nights of shows including Imagine Dragons the Dave Matthews Band Paramore they'll all be headed to the Footprint Center from February 9th through the 11th tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. you can head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets the season has five games left. The draft is five months away. That has not stopped one expert from taking a look at the Cardinals' needs, even though there's a long way to go. We'll tell you what they are next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. John Gambador, Dave Burns on this Wednesday afternoon. James Jones joining us in 15 minutes from right now. We'll talk with the President of Basketball Operations and General Manager of the Phoenix Suns, the newly promoted President of Basketball Operations. And again, just a reminder, even though it's still a week out, I imagine we'll be talking about this heavily in the days leading up to it. We've got Kenny Dillingham, who's going to be joining us in studio a week from today for three segments. I saw that they just announced the two staff moves that we um, had reported on earlier. Charlie Ragel as Assistant Head Coach and Special Teams Coordinator for Football. That got announced today. Uh, so just a reminder, Kenny Dillingham in studio with us one week from today to talk ASU football. Looking forward to that. But we turn our attention to the Cardinals. Um, of course, they are on the bye week. And, and in some ways, the timing is good, only in that if you've looked at the NFL schedule this week, my goodness, it's tremendous. There's like six matchups between winning football teams. We're both. It's a really, it's a really good weekend for football. It is so different to look at it when you have no reason to. Yeah, you mean it like just this in terms of who are the Forty ers playing, who are the Rams playing, who Seattle playing? Instead, you're just hunting for good games. You're just hunting for yeah. Like I want to see the Jets and Giants do well. You know, the thirty years in New York. So, like, you know, I'm a Giants fan. I want yeah. to see them make the playoffs. I'd like to see the Jets make. The, but when when your when your team is out of it, the Cardinals. Like for 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 ten weeks, it was 
who the 49ers playing, who Seattle playing, who the Rams playing. Okay, if this team loses, that's good for the Cardinals. It doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's liberating. It doesn't matter. It's very liberating. I, I, I mean, I don't like. I don't like. I haven't. I don't know. Like, I don't. I haven't looked at the schedule. I'm going to be in Vegas this weekend with my kid at a baseball tournament. You know, because the Cardinals are on the bye week, I'm going to go with him to his baseball tournament. I'm looking forward to that. So, like, but, you know, normally, normally on a regular week, it's like you're so invested in not only who the Cardinals are playing, but who everybody else around them is playing to see, okay, where can you make up ground? What if Tampa Bay loses? What if the Falcons lose? What if the Giants lose? What if the Cal- like? At this point now, like it doesn't matter. No, it, it doesn't matter. I, I think you and I are, are on different pages here because I'm looking at the schedule this week and, and I'm just excited that there's a whole bunch of good games. Yeah, and, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not restricted. Isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. It's like okay, with no Cardinals game and with them being out of it, it's just kind of like whatever I want on the buffet line this weekend. I can go eat. Is, right? there, is there a rooting interest anywhere else? No, 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 no. It's just, it's just give me a good game. Give me. I mean, but is there like? Is there? Do you have a second favorite team? I don't even know this about you. I've worked with you forever. Who's your second favorite team? Um, do I have a second favorite? No, like I've been with you doing this show with you for how many years? Have I done the show with you? Eleven years. I, I don't even know if you have a second favorite team. I really don't. I really don't. There's not a team right now. The Cardinals are out of it. There's not a team like I really can get behind this team. I mean, there are teams that I could root for because I like individual players. Okay, that's fair. You know, like the, that's fine. The the Bengals when Jamar Chase comes back, I'm a huge Jamar Chase fan. I okay, think the, so, I think that dude is badass. So the Bengals, so I would I would root for the Bengals. Okay, I would I would like to see them do well. I think Joe Burrow is a really cool dude. I would like to see them do well. Um, I can't, you know. There's nobody else that comes to mind. It's like a team that I'm. I would say to you, I. You know what? There's one. I'm not saying they're my second favorite team. I really want the Buffalo Bills to win a Super Bowl. There you go. So, I okay. really so want them rooting, to. So that's what I'm saying. Like time, I think. Yeah. I, I. Me and you kind of work a little bit different like that. You could. You could just seek out great games to watch. I got to have a rooting interest. Yeah. I got to have somebody. I'm like, I want this team to do well. I want that team to do well. Like, you know, so for me, that creates my rooting interest in it. There's certain teams that I may want to do well. For you, it's some and, certain players. I get that. And, and But you know me. I've never been about that. I just... You, you just it, want a good game. I just want a good game. Just entertain me. You don't even care, like, who to root for. No, you I really just, don't. Just give, me a, just give me a reason to sit down for three hours and, and be invested. Give me a good game. You know, and I, I, if I don't have a rooting outcome, it's not that big of a deal. Um, um, here's something else that that you know when your season's kind of done, even though it has a long ways to go in it. Here's something else that kind of becomes part of that, and that's eyeing draft position. And, and I, I mean, I hate to say it because there's five games left, and that can make it the rest of the season feel like an eternity. But when Dane Brugler of the Athletic came out with his mock draft today. You better believe I clicked on it to see what he had sure. doing. Yeah, Paris Johnson, offensive lineman, Ohio State. Who's got the draft bio? We got the draft bio. <laughs> Who do you think did it? I would go uh, Maloney. Go I think Maloney did the draft profile okay. for Paris Johnson Jr. Paris Johnson, offensive lineman, the Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, this is where you're at right now. You're seventh. In, and I heard Bickley and Murata talking about this this morning when I was on my way to the gym. And they mentioned the mock draft. And it was like, well, do you root for your team to lose? And uh, Bick was like, it's hard, man. It's a hard thing to do, root for your team to lose. I, I have no problem. I, I, I can root for my team to lose because I want, I, want, I want the best possible player in the draft that they can get. And if that means that, you know, listen, this, misery needs company, okay? The misery has been this season. Give it, give it more company. More losses is more company. Like, I just, I can separate that, that difference with rooting for a team. I don't know how many other people could do that. 
I can want the Cardinals to lose but still be a Cardinal fan because I want them to get the best possible player they could get in each round of the draft. You know me, I can't. I can do that. I, I can't do that. I, you know what? And I tried to do that during the Suns. You know, ping pong balls and lotteries and, and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, and you got the Andre Ayton. And, 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 well, yeah, but I also got Josh Jackson. You know, I also got Dragon Bender. I also got Marquise Chris. And I almost felt like karmically, I got, you know, even though I had nothing to do with it, what I was rooting for or what I wanted to happen, I almost feel like I, I paid the price for that. Oh, this is what you get for wanting your team to lose. Josh Jackson on a stick. Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris in the same year. Yeah, I got DeAndre Ayton. I also got a bunch of swings and misses on a bunch of guys who had no business even being in this league, right? So, right. so I've, I sort of feel like as a fan, I learned my lesson from that. I will accept that they They've lost. I will accept that as the outcome and go, okay, well, they lost. But for three hours to be trained to want a team to win and then all of a sudden to just turn that off and say, now I want you to lose, I can't do it. I'll accept that they lost, but root for it? Yeah. Can't do it. Can't do it. But it's for the greater good. I get it. I get it. Like, it's for the greater good. Yeah. I, like, who, like, but it's not. Do you ever get to a position where, who's, who, what team do you hate the most? The Dallas Cowboys. Okay, you ever get to a position where you needed the Cowboys to win because it helped your team, and so you're rooting for the Cowboys even though you hate them? And I pinched my thing. nose the whole it's time. The same thing. It's the same thing. I'm, you you hate the Cowboys, but you know what? They're playing the 49ers this week, and if they win, it helps the Cardinals. You root for the 49ers as much as you hate the, the Cowboys as much as you hate them. You can you can the same thing. talk all you want, and you're not going to convince me. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just trying to explain to you, like rationalize with you. Well, no, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I just can't do it. I, I, I won't do it. I, it's just, I can't emotionally, when you love okay. something, how can you root for it okay, to fail, Mitch, you know? Mitch, Mitch, if the Broncos had their first round pick this year and weren't stupid enough to give it to Seattle, okay, would you want the Broncos to lose games right now so you'd get the better pick? Well, they're not playing like they're going to win anytime soon, so yeah, I'd want yes, them to lose. Yes, right? Eric, how about you? Who's your favorite team? Cardinals. Okay. Cardinals, Cardinals. Do you want them to lose games right now so you have a better draft pick? Do I want it? No. Will you root for it? Would I be mad if it happened? Also, no. Okay, you're kind of in the Burnsy category there. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's kind of Burnsy category. Root I'm not going to root for it, no. if it happens. Mad I'm not about be upset. it? No, I'm not. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's me. That's me. That's where I'm at. I just, I, you know, plus, I mean, do I want them to have the best draft pick possible? Yeah. What did we spend 10 minutes talking about yesterday? We spent 10 minutes talking about that NFL, the 25 best players under the age of 24. It's not like they've hit home runs with these great draft picks either. You know? Which is not good players. Uh, where's the elite players? Show me the elite players. No, but there are very there are some very good players. Like I I don't know how Jalen Thompson wasn't on that list. He's I the really one think. guy. He's the one guy who should have been on that list. I, I know think Byron Murphy's a really good player. I think I think Zayvon Collins is gonna be a really good like I think that they've got I understand they didn't get the elite players that are the best of the best at their position. Yeah. And and that's and that's not a reason to not want a high draft pick. I, I'm it's just it's different for everybody. I, I I just can't imagine Cardinal fans like, okay, I'm gonna wake up this morning and I'm rooting for the New England Patriots tonight when I go to the game. And I'm not going to wear my Cardinals jersey. I'm going to wear my Patriots jersey tonight. I just I don't I can't imagine that. When we come back, he has put together a first place team. He got a really nice promotion. James Jones, president of basketball operations and GM of the Phoenix Suns, joins us next on Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic.
Sonic. Prince and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. Always a pleasure. Every Wednesday at 3.30, we get to talk Suns basketball with the architect, James Jones. This week is even a little more special because we get to congratulate James Jones on his promotion. Not only the general manager, but now president of basketball operations for the Phoenix Suns. And he joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Congrats, James. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Nah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Man, I want to ask you about now the, the relationship that you'll have, your ties to helping the Phoenix Mercury, one of the best organizations in the in the WNBA. Diana Taurasi coming back for another year. Your role in helping the Mercury get back to winning another championship. I mean, well, you know, they, we occupy the same space. You know, they're our, they're athletes. They're they're all the same. Um, basketball players just just trying to improve and. And hone their craft, and, and 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 so now I get a chance because we cross paths so much to just focus some of my resources and my time, and my energies to support them more. So, um, you know, we still have Jim Pittman, our our GM, um, but I'll be able to to lean strategically and help him um, continue the great success that the, the Mercury that, that they've had, and 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 at the same time try to push the Suns forward. And I know, and I know you, you're going to look forward to that challenge with the Mercury because that's something that uh, that you can be very invested in. Yeah, I mean, I, I love. I mean, I, people. I tell people all the time. I grew up in a family of women who played basketball, so watching women's basketball was my my foray into basketball, and and I'm still to this day a passionate women's basketball fan. So um, it's just great for me. I get a chance to continue to do what I I, I love, which is supporting. Uh, professional basketball players in addition to an increased role and presence with the mercury for for fans out there who haven't had a chance to hear it in your own words what does this promotion mean what what's now different about james jones's job when he goes to work every day well i mean it, it stretches me to think a little more macro um and, and not spend all my time in the micro um that's been um a passion for me is, is making sure that i can that I can do everything on a day-to-day basis to improve our, our players, you know, their their experience and their performance, and and so it just it just forces me uh, to to think bigger picture, and it gives me the the bandwidth and the ability to to partner at a higher level with the people in the organization, and, and just think. Um, but from the organization as a whole as compared to just thinking about, you know, Suns basketball and what's going to happen tonight. As, as I'm sure a lot of fans, I'm listening to you speak uh, and you use the word bandwidth. Is there still plenty of bandwidth with for you to focus on the micro because you are so good at being the general manager of the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, I mean, that, that doesn't change. Um, you're just talking more about strategic points in the season. Um, but I'm, I'm still here every day. Um, my days don't look any different. It just may mean my weekends are a little more uh, uh, cluttered. <laughs> yeah. <that makes> sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. I, I want to talk to you about Damian Lee and, you know, what you saw in him when you brought him over. We had a terrific interview with Damian a couple of weeks ago, and, and he talked a lot about how he wanted to break out of Steph's shadow. That You know, when he did something good, it was because of Steph. When he did something bad, Steph shouldn't have brought him over. And kind of like Seth, he he wanted to break away, and he saw this opportunity here in Phoenix. He's taking full advantage of it. And I, I'm a stickler for substitution patterns. It's just one of the things I, I chart for every game you guys play. Monty had him out for 41 seconds in that game, and campaign wasn't having the best game. 41 seconds in the fourth quarter, he brings him back in. He hits a pull-up jumper to end into big Sacramento run. He hits a three, hits a corner three, a straightaway three. He has been money for you guys in the fourth quarter. What did you see in Damian Lee when you brought him over here? 
Well, I think people discount just how difficult it is to, to play in an environment where you have championship aspirations and Hall of Fame players who play at such a high level. And they expect you to come in in limited minutes and not have a drop-off. And, and so if you're able to perform um, in that environment with such a small, slight margin for error, uh, it builds a, a grit and determination and a belief um, in, in, in the system, in the players, and in the player. And so what we've seen with Damian was, you know, when he was thrust in, into a situation to, to, to replace or fill in for Steph or fill in for Clay, um, he performed. And, and when he had to go back to the bench and play an uneven role, uh, once he got another opportunity, he always delivered. So we just thought um, you don't survive and you don't exist in, in those types of places unless you're a really good player. And so from the outside, you can think what you want. But if you're in the game, players, the game recognizes game. Players respect players. And from day one, they've always respected uh, Damian's ability to just, just to be a hooper. Does your does your you know past being a valuable role player around great players and on a championship team does it does that really help you when evaluating these players? Because there was a look, there was a ton of teams in a league that probably told me, yeah, he's a good eleventh guy or twelfth guy on a roster, but he's been so much more for you guys. Does does your ability to have been in that situation help you evaluate a player like him? I mean, I think I just have a greater appreciation for for guys and just how difficult it is to be uh, effective in those limited minutes and to fight the narrative that, you know, because you're the, the 13th or 14th guy on a, a really good team, uh, you're not good enough. I mean, the reality is when you're on those good teams, uh, the players in the middle and the top of that, top of that, like, depth chart, they only get better because they, they bump and grind against you every day. It's not because they're going against competition because we know in this league from night to night, depending on who you're playing, you necessarily don't get the other team's best efforts. You don't get their sharpest performances. And so what you do in, in practice and in, in those individual sessions, that's what, what steals you and sharpens you. And so I have an appreciation for guys who don't get the opportunity to present on this, on the court but present in a major way behind the scenes. James Jones, president of basketball operations, general manager of the Phoenix Suns, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show for his weekly visit. Obviously, since our last visit, DeAndre Ayton, two absolutely punishing games on back-to-back nights against the Pistons and the Utah Jazz. He was rewarded with the Western Conference Player of the Week. I think the question that every fan would want to know about about Ayton is kind of twofold. One, what pushed him to seemingly that new level? And number two, can he stay there? From your perspective, what do you see out of Aiton that's even a little bit different this past week? Um, I just think he's had opportunities and he's capitalized on them. Uh, I think he's he 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 just had some good games, right? He you know had some good matchups. You know he he was prepared and uh, his efforts were were effective. Um, can he stay there? He can. It's all within his control. Um, but I, I think as time goes, it continues to click. Right? We still talk a lot about. You know the games that DeAndre is playing, and he's, he's, you know, his fifth year in the NBA, and you know he's he's still growing. So, um, and at the same time, I think he's understanding just where he can pick his spots and be himself, and not try to be, you know, the the, the second option, the third option, the fourth option. He's starting to understand. Coach doesn't have to call a play for him. Uh, to take the initiative and be the number one option. And, and, and his teammates are starting to understand that, too. I love seeing him on the free throw line. Do you love seeing him on the free throw line? Uh, just, just maybe, I, I just enjoy it because it says to me something else about his game. Do you like it as much as other people do? 
I mean, I like when, I mean, I'm not, like I told you before, I'm not all hung up on how many free throws he shoots, but whenever he's able to be effective, um, he's a great free throw shooter. I'm for it. But I'm just, I just, I just like seeing him being active and, and, and having an impact on the game. And so I've said before, if DeAndre scores 40 points and has 25 rebounds and he doesn't shoot a free throw, I don't think anyone will be complaining. I know you talked about uh, Chris Paul yesterday, and people were asking, is it more than just a heel injury? Is it an Achilles? And you said, no, guys, I would tell you, if it was, it's the, it's a heel injury. Um, do you anticipate, like, he's not going to play tonight. But when do you anticipate him getting back in the lineup? Um, I'll leave that to our medical staff. I've said we've been going week to week, and usually after a week we'll reevaluate. Uh, if he comes back um, Friday, you know, you'll probably know Thursday. Um, if it lasts longer than that, we'll let him know. But I, like I said, I think he's close. I don't. I don't. I don't expect Chris to be out much longer than um, the, the next seven to ten, next seven days or so. Has it been a setback or just a slow healing process? No, it's it's just been a ramp up for us. It's no setback. You know, if it was a setback, we probably would have readjusted. Um, but he's been out for a number of games, and when you're out that many games, you know, there's. You can't just flip it on. You can't just shoot, bring a guy back and say, hey, come back and play 20 minutes tonight. Let's play 25. I've said before, when a guy's available, he's completely available. So we just have to get him back up to a point where if we put him in a game and we need him to play 35 minutes so we can win a game, he and everyone else around them, you know, they're comfortable that he can do it. Look, I think you would have been patient no matter what the record is, but you do have the luxury of being patient with the Jay Crowder trade because the team has played so well, and even despite all the injuries and absences, the bench you built has been terrific and has been able to overcome that. With that being said, we are at December tomorrow, and in another couple of weeks, about a third of the league will then become available for trade. Do you? Is it safe to say that it's more likely a trade will happen at that time than something that could happen within the next couple days? No, I, I can't say that. Um, like I said before, we've we've had conversations, and those conversations are ongoing. You know, when something happens, it'll happen. Uh, but we're still only you know, 20, 20 something odd games into the season with fifty something to go, and you know that's that's still a lot of there's still a lot of basketball left to be played. So uh, we'll be patient. Um, we're not waiting, but we'll be patient to make sure that we find someone that's the right fit and that that what we do helps propel us forward. Last question on this one, and just from your perspective, how well has Torrey played given how thin you got at that position when Cam Johnson went out? Oh, Torrey's been great. You know, that's the Torrey, Torrey Craig that I think people have come to expect. His rebounding, his defense, his activity, um, you know, just his relentlessness on the defense and defensive end and offensive glass um, has, has served him and us really well, and I think it's allowed him to just be himself um he's had more minutes to play longer stretches and and the more tory plays uh the greater impact he has james we appreciate the time as always best of luck to the organizations tonight against the bulls and in the games upcoming this week we will talk to you next week as always thank you all right thanks again guys thanks james james jones joining us on the arizona sports line arizona sports the local sports leader when we come back on the burns and gambo show we will react for a moment to what james had to say and then we'll talk a little college football as well usc controls their destiny on friday and they should be thankful that they're still in the pac-12 while they're still there we'll explain next on the burns and gambo show 
Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, he's had James Jones on, and one quick reaction before we talk a little college football is that even though that December 15th you know, date is coming up two weeks away, just about two weeks away, he continues to insist that is not a driving factor or force at all in the lack of a Jay Crowder trade. Not that he would necessarily admit it if it were, but considering that, what, a third of the league is eligible to be traded on that day, you would think if you've waited this long, you might as well wait until December 15th, given how well you're playing, how well yeah. you're playing without him. I mean, you might as well wait. Look, I think point. you can make a Grayson Allen trade right now. Um, I think you want Kyle Kuzma, but it all depends on, you know, he's been really good for Washington. So I don't know if they're willing to give him up for Jay Crowder, but you would like Kyle Kuzma. Um, there are other teams out there with draft compensation that could be part of a package that you could use. Atlanta has draft compensation that you may want a part of. Uh, I do think that it's more likely now that you're here that it will take another couple of weeks till you get to mid-December. But I still also believe that it's when the right deal comes, whenever it is, if he likes the deal, he's going to pull the trigger on the deal. There's nothing pushing them to do it. That's the amazing part about it to me. There's no, I mean, any urgency, anything, any factor that would cause them to have urgency just doesn't exist. They've got the best record in the West. Torrey Craig is playing very well. They haven't, I mean, they, I'm sure they miss Cam Johnson, obviously. But in terms of wins and losses, they have found a way to move on without him for now. Of course, they'll welcome him back with open arms. But there's nothing, all of those kind of built-in things that we expected to create urgency, none of them have happened. They're, they're playing great. Torrey Craig's playing great. They're beating, te- everything's good, which just means they can wait as long as they want when it comes to trading Jay. There's and no I said rush. this to James. I said, I, I think you would have been impatient either way because that's just, you know, he, he's been a player. He's been on championship teams. He understands it's a long grind and there's not a rush to go get somebody in November if it takes till December or January. So what? As long as you have those that guy for the last 20 or 30 games and you're a playoff team and that's all that really matters is getting the right guy. You'd rather get the right guy and it takes an extra 30 games than get the wrong guy because you tried to get somebody 30 games earlier. That is the one thing, though, about James. And and he is very patient. Now, some might think he's patient to a fault, right? Some might. Does he last year's trade deadline? Yeah, they got Torrey Craig. They weren't super active going into that. He's very much a big believer in what he's got. And for him, the grass isn't always greener somewhere else. And for some, you know, like last year's trade deadline, you know, I was very frustrated. I was frustrated that there wasn't a little more urgency that was kind of injected into that situation, knowing full well there wasn't anything they really needed in that moment, but kind of wanting them to do something anyway for the thing that they didn't know they needed, right? For the thing that they might have needed a month later or two months later, right? And that's that insurance policy. And I'm not saying he should go out and do something right now, but James is very patient. And sometimes that patience might be a fault depending on how much they need to attack this window they've got in front of them. He's built an incredible roster that has I mean, Landale and Bismack beyond. You lose JaVel McGee, and you're like, oh my goodness, he was so good for the Suns. DeAndre Ayton stepped up and played very, very well, and now you've got Landale's been great, and Biz has been good. It's just, he's he really identifies 
with role players and bench players and how to put a roster together and, and chemistry and character and all of that stuff is, you know, paramount to him. And, and he's been able to do that. And that's helped them overcome the loss of Chris Paul and the loss of, you know, Cam Johnson and at times Landry Shamet and uh, Shamit. And they've had some guys that have been out and, man, they still could win in basketball games. Other teams would not be winning basketball games if they had two or three of their top six or seven players out. They'd be losing a lot of games. That's not the case with the Suns. All right, a word on college football because yesterday we got the final rankings, if you will, before the championship weekend. And Georgia's one, Michigan's two, TCU is three, USC is four. And perhaps the most important revelation, Ohio State is five. So as we, you know, our poll question today is about USC and whether you're rooting for them or not. If USC should fail on Friday night against Utah, Ohio State presumably would be the team that would take their place. But in the words of the great Lee Corso, not so fast, not my, so friend. Fast, my friend. In that some have brought up the idea that, yeah, it'd be two losses for USC. Yeah, they'd both be to the same team. Yeah, no two-loss team has ever made the Final Four. But in essence, you'd be punishing USC for playing in a conference championship game that Ohio State couldn't even get to. Right. You know, and like the only reason they're playing that extra game is because they qualified for it and Ohio State didn't. Should we be punishing them for that? That's one. And number fair, two, it's a fair question. It's a very fair question. Fair question. And then number two, you could make the argument that, yeah, USC's bolting the Pac 12 for the Big Ten. The Pac 12 this year is. Better. It's deeper. It, it's more impressive to do what USC has done. Utah's Utah's number eleven. Washington's number twelve. Oregon State number fifteen. Oregon number sixteen. UCLA number seventeen. The Pac-12 has six teams in the top seventeen. The Big Ten just three. So the Pac-12 has six teams that are in the top 17 of the college football playoff rankings, while the Big Ten has just three teams in those same rankings. And that's why you can make the argument that top to bottom that the Pac-12 is a better conference this year than the Big Ten is. So that should help USC. It's crazy to say it right now. But the, I mean, the, the, those numbers don't lie. Six versus three. All that being said. If USC loses, they're, they're out. out. <laughs> they're but, out. But, but you just said it. You just said one of the keys. They have never taken a two. They have never taken a two loss team. They've never done it. This would be the first time. They're not taking a two loss team. So if USC loses again, they're going to factor that in. They're probably going to take Ohio State. There's only one loss, and they're only losses to you know the the team that's going to be the Big Ten champion. Honestly, I think that's the reason why one of the reasons why they had Ohio State ahead of Alabama for that last spot, knowing full well that that basically if USC had lost, then they'd have no choice but to put a two loss right. team in. I think and, you're right, and I just don't think they want to go there. You know, I, I think that once once you've opened that particular can, there's no closing it, and, and I just don't think they want to open it, which is why Ohio State's in that position and that's why if USC loses I think they're out now USC would be in a New Year's six bowl game Utah would be the Pac-12 representative for the Rose Bowl so you'd have Utah in the Rose Bowl USC would be in a in one of the bowl games for New Year's Eve thought I heard that the Rose Bowl can choose whoever they want I thought I read that somewhere if Utah wins the Pac-12 and they don't get in? Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. If Utah wins the game. I'm sorry. If Utah I, wins I, the I, game. I, thought you were t- I'm, I misunderstood. I thought you meant if Utah lost the Pac-12 championship no, no, if Utah game, they wins, would be in the Rose Bowl. Then, okay. Then, no. then they, would be in the Pac- they would be the Pac-12 representative for the Rose Bowl. Yeah, my bad. And then USC would likely get one of the other 
six bowl games that will be on New Year's Day. Yeah, I misunderstood. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, everything you need to know about what's going on in sports is next. We like to call it the 4 o'clock reset. It's coming up here on the Burns and Gambo show.